is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the title sponsor of the big show. That's Big O, Big O Tires. Right now through September 6th, save $150 on Big O brand tires during the Big O Tires anniversary sale. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to talk to uh, Sean O'Connell, our boy OC, coming up here momentarily. Of course, uh, Sean, co-host of Pac-12 Today on Sirius and XM Radio. Uh, ran into uh, OC down at Pac-12 Media Day. Yeah, that thing uh, covered top to bottom, as you would expect. Mm. It's always okay. good running into OC. Oh, sure. It, honestly, one of the most interesting people that uh, <laughs> the I most have, interesting man in the world that I have come across. Sean is a very <laughs> interesting uh, person, very thoughtful, and obviously a world-class athlete who, uh, yeah, has who a great could beat the living daylights out. Well, yeah, and he could to. play a little football back in his day too. So you know. He played a linebacker at Weber State or something, wasn't it? Walked down to Utah and then played at Weber, yeah. Mm-hmm. And his, I, we won't ask him to do it because he tells it over the, the, the story <laughs> so many times, but his story about Urban Meyer is one of the great hilarious stories of all time. Oh, well, let's have, let's have him tell it. Well, see, that's one of those stories, though, that I'm sure he's like every person he comes across is like, hey, tell the Murphy story. All right. I mean, you've heard it a million times, Tell right? the Murphy story. Anyway. It's always good. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It is no mystery. Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Uh, joining us now, he is, of course, co-host of Pac-12 Today on Sirius and XM Radio. He's our friend Sean O'Connell. What's up, OC? Doing well. How are you guys? Hey, uh, we're doing all right, and uh, we want to start here with you. I know this isn't easy to talk about because you had a relationship with Coach, but I know you worked with him for several years. Sean, your thoughts on on, uh, the passing of Coach Peace and the the legacy that he leaves at the University of Utah? Well, it's sad news for everyone who's uh, been around the program and got a chance to get to know Coach Peace. He truly was a great man and I know that a lot of folks are you know prone to hyperbole when you're eulogizing someone or you're talking about someone who passed but um he really he really was a difference maker obviously going all the way back to his own playing days at the University of Utah and several different stints as a coach at the University of Utah and then after the fact um you know <laughs> analyzing the Utes on the radio or uh, stopping by to consult with the coaches that are much younger than him on the staff now. He just, he's a big time difference maker. And he truly cared about everyone that he came in contact with. Uh, I know I tweeted this out, so forgive me for being redundant. But one of the things I learned from Coach Pease uh, was that, you know, especially when you're in the media, but really in life, criticize the action, not the person and especially with sports so often you see people make mistakes and you forget that they're college kids 
and you see mistakes in a game and you say that a guy is dumb or that he's soft or that he doesn't have it or that he's slow. And Coach, having been around every level of football, was still the guy that would criticize the mistake rather than the person. And you know he didn't write players off just because they were the wrong fit and didn't say that guy stinks just because he had a bad game. And that's something that uh, I learned from him that you got to be a little bit more patient. And, you know, he always talked about me like I was a real player, even though he knew very well that I was, you know, a crappy walk-on who didn't really contribute much of anything. He still gave respect to people like that. So you can't say enough about the man and what a loss it is that he's no longer here. But I hope we all get a chance to remember him fondly and keep telling stories about him. Man, I'll tell you, see, I agree with you 100%. Isn't it nice to know that there are people like that in this world? I mean, he, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Especially in the coaching profession, right? Because we get so focused on, you know, how it's all business and how, you know, we, we see these big contracts and, you know, you forget that a lot of these guys feel called to the profession because they truly do want to help young men and young women in other sports succeed. And that's, that's who coach Pease was. And uh, hopefully, you know, he passed that on. There's a little piece of him in everyone that's been on a staff with him and that has worked with him. You know, he's an important mentor for Kyle Whittingham at one point in his career. He's been a hugely important mentor for Morgan Scally when he was kind of being groomed to take over that defense. So, uh, obviously, you know, his legacy lives on at the University of Utah. I said this earlier, Sean. I, I think his last coaching stint that year as defensive coordinator to mentor Morgan, as you bring up, but I, I think in hindsight that it was a stroke of brilliance and that you still, you know, OC, you go up there to that practice and you still see Coach Peace's legacy uh, played out on that practice field every day, I'm sure. You're absolutely right. And, you know, this is – it's always going to be a defense that – does more than keep the other team out of the end zone, right? It's going to be a defense that takes away the run game completely. It's going to be a defense that tries to create havoc plays and turnovers, that tries to score themselves. Uh, And it's going to be a defense that you do not let the opposing offense get seven yards a pass per attempt or more, right? Because those numbers – John Pease would talk about those numbers being and how the percentages would go up. This is a guy that played in 1964 and was using analytics, you know, in his coaching career. He's an old school guy that was still using the analytics. He would play the percentages and he would talk all the time about how likely it was if you could make these three or four things happen defensively, you were going to get a win. He was focused on special teams. I mean, the guy. He was a brilliant coach, and he connected with all of his players. Like it's it's a rarity that you get people to, that are that good at all aspects of their job, but he was. And uh, I think that you know the staff is modeled after that. Still, most of the people on the staff now are incredibly well-rounded human beings, and people that excel not only uh, in the job and in the X's and O's, but that are are good at the mentoring and the leadership and making sure guys care about them in their daily lives. And that's why Utah has the, the family atmosphere that it does on the football field. You know, see, another thing I remember him saying was um, he, he said, essentially, this isn't Kyle Whittingham's team. This isn't John Peace's team. This is the player's team. 
And he said, that's what, this is a direct quote, he said, that's what great teams do. It's what they are. It's about them. It is them. They take care of each other. I love that stuff. I mean, you know, sometimes you hear things from coaches that are self-interested and all that. John was so far past that. He, I got the impression from him he couldn't care less what, what accolades came his way. He was trying to create an environment like you were talking about where, where young people could succeed. Well, look, he by request he didn't he didn't want funeral services, right? I mean, he did, he's he's the kind of guy who didn't want all of us sitting around talking about him. So sorry, coach, <laughs> that we're not obeying your your last wishes because we love you. And I think Gordon, some of that maybe comes from the time he spent in the NFL, and the, you know, because NFL teams are player led to a degree that college teams cannot be, and the, the best college coaches. Uh, can bring that kind of back to their own locker room. And even though these are young people and they're going to make a lot of mistakes, you say, look, man, if you want me to be your dad and stand up here and tell you everything to do, fine. But that's not going to make for a successful football team. He understood that team leadership and self-governance was massively important to big-time success on a football field. That That's the way the NFL programs that he was part of were run. And he felt the same way in college, and he trusted players – to, to do those things. And that's, I think people are adopting it. I think good teams and good programs have adopted that, but I don't know if people were adopting it before P's in this state. Sean O'Connell with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sean, I do want to talk some camp with you, of course. Um, what are you hearing about the quarterback race? How close is it really? I think that uh, it's not as, I mean, well, I'll say this. I haven't, Got an opportunity to watch practice, right? Because none of us have. But I think that this is Charlie Brewer's team, and that's a reversal from what I was seeing and hearing, uh, even coming out of spring ball. A lot of the conversation was, look, man, just wait. Cam Rising won the job last year. Cam Rising is going to win the job again. And I think that uh, Charlie Brewer, that spring game, he obviously looked great. But I think that, you know, his um, development with with the receivers and the voluntary workouts and and tight ends of the voluntary workouts, his leadership on this team. I I do believe that this is going to be Charlie Brewer's job. Um, I hope that doesn't mean Cam Rising looks for greener pastures. I hope that doesn't mean that Jaquinda Jackson doesn't feel valued and that, you know, he knows that there's going to be some offensive packages for him. But at the end of the day, there's those old cliches about having too many quarterbacks, and I, I really think that they've got their guy and that it's going to be Charlie Brewer. But we'll see because they haven't. You know, Cam Rising's obviously playing well enough that this coaching staff is not ready to declare anything just yet. So, O.C., uh, this is something that, uh, that Jake and I have discussed. Kyle Whittingham, before this season started, he said, we want to do better with the throw game, as he likes to call it. Do you think this offense with Charlie Brewer, whoever's the trigger man, do you think that they will uh, be a little more adept at, at putting the ball in the air when they need to as opposed to just turning around and giving it to a running back? Yes, I do. Um, and part of the reason is because the tight end group is exceptional. I mean, you've got four tight ends we're going to see on the field this year. Not one, Brand Keithy, who's a you know, preseason all-conference type guy who we've seen his versatility. Uh, he's going to be used as that Swiss Army knife, but 
you've got Dalton Kincaid who's going to get on the get out on the field. Uh, you've got Cole Fotheringham who's obviously probably the more true old school tight end, great blocker in line. You know, making the, the extension of the tackle kind of thing. You're going to see a bunch of that. And I mean, you've got Britton Covey who uh, is a great possession receiver. I hope that he's more than that at this point in his career. You know, uh, coming off of the injuries and, and finally being 100% healthy. I hope that we get some of that burst we saw from him as a true freshman. But um, the concern for me is that the wide receiving group, and I know that they've been gushing about Theo Howard, and I'm excited to see what he brings. I, I really like him on Bailey, uh, you know, former walk-on. I always got to give those guys shout-outs. But this wide receiver group, going all the way back really to when Utah joined the Pac-12, has been – comparatively uh, substandard. Like, they haven't been the same kind of talent that Oregon has had or that USC has had or that Arizona State has had. I mean, you go through every team in the Pac-12 except for maybe <laughs> except for maybe Oregon State and Arizona. And, you know, on balance, you take the whole decade of Pac-12 football, and I think – the wide receiving position has been a, a bit of a liability for the University of Utah. So the chicken and the egg argument is, well, if now Andy Ludwig has put together an offense that utilizes those guys more, will you get better recruits? And that answer is only yes if you have a quarterback who can consistently deliver deliver the ball to those guys on time, on schedule, uh, and you know give them room to run. And I think that whoever it is, it, Cam Rising has displayed this ability as well. Whoever it is has that, and, and Ludwig is given control of the offense now. So I think it's going to be a better throw game than we're accustomed to. What about on defense, OC? Are there any question marks over there that you're going to have your eye on? Uh, I mean, not really, because even though they're, they're breaking in some new bodies, um, you know, Van Fillinger and Xavier Carlton, we knew what they were as high school players, right? They had effectively, um, you know, a free redshirt year last year where they actually got to be on the field and play without compromising their eligibility a little bit. Uh, and if they're good enough to push Max Tupai out into a transfer portal, then those guys, uh, I think, are going to be awesome. Um, the linebacking core is maybe, uh, you know, Devin Lloyd is maybe the best individual linebacker that this team has had in the Kyle Whittingham era, uh, whether or not Nephi Sewell can step up to the level so it's a duo like a Gianni Paul, Jared Norris type duo or a Chase Hansen, Cody Barton, where you had these two incredible inside backers that were really both, you know, NFL caliber type guys. Uh, that's a question, but it's a small one because what we've seen from Sewell has been very encouraging. And now you've got a bunch of young guys at that position who are higher-rated recruits than Utah's ever had there. So uh, the question would be health, I guess, but I always trust Utah's defense. So do, would you pick them to, to win the South? Or are you uh, that confident? I'm confident that next year this Utah football team will win the South. I think this year it's going to be an absolute dogfight uh, and it's going to come down to what happens when Utah plays USC at the Coliseum. If you can shake that monkey off your back and you can get a win on the road, they'll be division champs. But that is an incredibly talented USC team, as it always is. And I'm a believer in Keaton Slovis. Last year, the inconsistencies with his arm were related to an injury to that arm. So 
I think that with him back healthy, uh, you know, they're going to be a real problem for everybody. And Utah hasn't proved to us that they can win at the Coliseum. So you got to got to get over that hump. And then I will definitively say that, yeah, they're the Pac-12 South champs. You know, see, uh, one of us between Jake and I predicted that Keaton Slovis would be great one day. And it wasn't Jake. You 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 crowned him already great after one start. <laughs> all right, I was a little early. All right, all right. <laughs> That's never happened to me Look, before. Jake, you never sound like a genius if you wait until someone's great to tell them tell, tell them that they're great. You know Good what I mean? Point. You always gotta you gotta and and no one remembers when you're wrong. I I said that I didn't think Joey Bosa was going to be as good in the pros as he was in college, and you know people don't call me out for that, but. I have to remind myself that every good prediction I've had comes with a bad one as well. Speaking I'm, of predictions. And look, I've listened to your show. I've listened to your show enough to know that Gordon's been dead wrong on about half of those predictions. So. Ouch. That one hurt. Uh, speaking of predictions, so uh, what do you make of what's going on in Provo OC? Do you think that uh, BYU will be able to follow up or even come close to what they did a year ago, or is this going to be a rebuilding year? I think it's going to be somewhat of a rebuilding year, but I think they're going to be a decent team. I think they're going to be tough. I think that, um, you know, they've, we don't talk about BYU's recruiting because they don't get the same caliber of athletes that Utah does when it comes to like the star ratings. Right. But they did well in the transfer portal again, uh, Kalani Sataki and, and his staff are getting closer and they're closing the gap. They're not, they're not close to it yet, but they're closing the gap on player development between where they have been in the past and where Utah has been now for a good amount of time. So they're, they're taking a page of that book. They're getting much better at player development. And, you know, this. I, I said this before, and I know you guys aren't asking about it, but I said it as soon as name, image, and likeness became a thing. I said one of the very few teams that can elevate their status in college football is BYU with name, image, and likeness opportunities because Alabama's already great. They're going to stay great. Clemson, great going to stay great Notre Dame all of those like they're they're always going to have the top recruits going to those schools BYU is such a unique place where they've got this fanatical fan base that actually exists nationwide a lot of those individuals are highly successful entrepreneurs and business owners who like pine for the success the return to glory days of BYU and we saw that just the early rumblings of it with this this built bar sponsorship where everybody on the team's getting money even walk-ons, which is such a feel-good. But that's just the tip of the iceberg for BYU. Mark my word, in two or three years, there are going to be guys going to BYU again that they have been losing consistently to Stanford, right? Stanford has gotten the best LDS recruits in the country because of their defensive coordinator for like the last seven years. Those guys are going to start coming back to BYU because BYU is going to be able to offer them new things and name, image, and likeness. Last thing for me, O.C., as somebody who played for Urban Meyer, Gordon and I were talking about this earlier, how do you think he's going to handle losing a lot of games in Jacksonville? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> Look, I, I, don't, I don't think Urban's going to be a good NFL coach. And I say that not to be insulting to Urban, but I just think that there are styles, there are coaching styles. And I think he's a smart guy, and I'm sure he's a different coach now than he was at the University of Utah. We've seen enough evidence from the way his other programs have manifested to, to definitively say, yeah, he's a different coach now than he was when he was at Utah. But the Urban Meyer that coached at Utah and was successful at Utah was a dictator. 
you did things his way. You sat down. You shut up when he told you to. You worked out in a, as hard as human beings are allowed to work out um, without hurting their bodies. Like he did things. He dictated the pace, and it was the way that he, he had this formula. And you can't do that in the NFL. It's a collaborative thing. It's more about being a, a general manager and a and a personality. And Urban is not that. I don't. At least we haven't seen evidence of that. He's a guy that has to be able to grind you down to a stump. And in college, it was only for three or four years. In the NFL, guys are going to be like, I'm not dealing with this, man. I'm not dealing with this. You don't get to talk to me like that. I am not doing things the way you want me to because guess what? Collective bargaining protects me from being here at 5 a.m. flipping tires. Sorry, we're not doing it that way, Coach. I don't think he's going to be successful in the NFL. Speaking of who's going to be successful in the NFL, what do you think about Zach Wilson? I like the fact that Zach Wilson, um, he, when asked about the mistakes that he's making, he's talking about, well, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes. Like the idea that people expect him to jump from a group of five schedule last year to being, you know, the best thing going in the NFL right now is just with the personnel he has around him with the New York Jets, by the way, and in the worst organization that the NFL has seen in the last decade or so. Like, it's going to take time. I think that Zach Wilson is going to be fine. I worry about him being a little bit on the smaller side bulk-wise for an NFL quarterback, especially if his offensive line doesn't keep him clean. But there are a lot of young quarterbacks that made a lot of mistakes and threw a lot of bad interceptions, and we didn't write them off before they'd even played a regular season game. So you won't find me doing that. I think that you know he's going to go through probably 10 more humbling experiences. Uh, he's probably going to have to learn – how to do more film study than he ever had to to excel in college. But he's a very smart individual. He's got crazy arm talent. And as soon as he gets the personnel around him and a couple of good games that start to build his confidence, look out. Because when that kid plays confident football, he is an absolute nightmare for defenses to handle. Gordon, you should have seen what a celebrity OC was at Pac-12 Media Day. They had this big set. Everybody was lining up to go on. I was just like, oh, I just I, I just want to tell everybody in the room that I know the guy. You know, like, hey, I know OC, you know. We've hung out Could before. I, I, I got to give you a little, like, it's so funny because when I'm sitting there on that set, right, with the, the Sirius XM guys, Everyone knows Evan Moore. Everyone knows Ryan Leaf. Everyone knows Rick Neuheisel. Everyone knows Jeff Schwartz. Everyone comes through, and they see me, and they shake my hand, and as soon as I say, hey, Sean O'Connell, they get up from the table. They never remember the name Sean O'Connell again. <laughs> I, it's just like, dang it. You get, it's, when, you're, when you're the least important in a group of like seven people, it's really annoying. Okay? I just, for one minute want to be the cool guy at the table instead of like the one who's just clinging to the coattails of all those other individuals. I told Kyle Whittingham at the coach's dinner the night before, because we're walking around and every school's got a former NFL player like representing. I'm the only former youth there. <laughs> I told Coach Witt, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry that you have to look around this room and see like a former Stanford NFL guy and an Oregon duck that played in the NFL for 10 years and, you know, all these guys. And then you look at the only other Ute in the room is that guy. He's me. And he just started laughing. 
Well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah, but OC, you, you have the sure knowledge that you could beat them all up if need That be. is true, Gordon. Yeah. And I'm glad you said it and not me because it sounds a little less arrogant when I just <laughs> affirm it rather than being the one to claim it. But yes, it's. Uh, that's the only thing that I use to make myself feel better. I look at these <laughs> six foot seven inch behemoths that played for five years catching passes from whoever, and I'm like, you know what? You're a great tight end, but I could beat you up. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I'll tell you what I, I can sympathize with your uh, you know famous co-host stuff, OC, as as Gordon's other guy for years now. I I know what you're talking about, too. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, we used to te- we, OC. We used to tease Jake. That he was on the show with me, but his name wasn't on the show. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> Never again. That. Now Jake's a star. Yeah. Well, Austin. Well, Austin called me and said, "Hey, will you come be on the Gordon Monson show?" I was like, "Don't you guys call it something else now?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, yeah, but you know what it is. In in, in reality, it's the Gordon Monson <laughs> show." Yeah, we know. Uh, That's all right. Not at all. I'm Gordon Monson. I'm cool with it. You know, yeah. the Gordon. That just means I'm really, really old. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> Um, O.C., you are the best. Thank you, as always, for dropping by. It's always good to hear from you. And it was fun seeing you down there in L.A. Yeah, man. Let's, uh, let's talk some more football throughout the season, shall we? Yep. Let's do it, buddy. Thanks, Sean. That's our friend O.C., Sean O'Connell. Again, Pac-12 today on Sirius XM Radio, co-host with uh, Jeff Schwartz, as you heard him mention uh, Jeff. If you guys don't know Sean, he's a, he's a former MMA fighter and one tough cookie, but a very nice man. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.